Hello and welcome back to The Latecomers. I'm Amity. I'm Lemuel. And this week, we are probably who we say we are. We watched watched The Venturian Candidate from 1962. We're going to talk about it momentarily, but before we do... Your favorite question that I always ask you, how was your week? It was the kindest, bravest, warmest, most wonderful week I've ever had. <laughs> Have you had that memorized like forever and ever? I used to use it all the time yeah. when I was asked questions about people I didn't necessarily care for. Ah, uh, fair enough. And if they got the joke, they understood exactly what I meant. Otherwise, the tone meant uh, delivered my intention. He's literally the worst person. Uh, yeah. It was, it was enjoyable. Good. How was your week? I don't remember. It was but good. It must have been really it was good. Fine. If you can't we remember. actually got to watch things that weren't for this podcast, which is nice. Right. And uh, I got a little bit of a break last week, work-wise, mm-hmm. just to dive back in this week and next. Because I'm going on vacation. But when you hear this, I have gone on vacation. The magic of radio. This isn't radio, but you know what it's I mean. enough like radio. I keep also if you could be listening to this in seventeen years, I don't mm-hmm. know. Uh, so from your flying car in the future. Uh, I mean, they're prototyping us now. I want it so bad. Make me a cyborg. You can hear our podcast. These voices from the past. Hello, everyone. We're probably dead. It's probably a Mad Max wasteland out there. Wow, okay, that went dark all Sorry. It's okay. I, uh, I've been watching the news. Uh, it's not working that? great for my mental health, so I know I need to take another break. That's what the vacation will help. Yes. Stay to turn off all my notifications. Mm-hmm. Email? What is that? Uh, you want to get started on this movie? Yes, it's... It's your, like, so your favorite movie. What did you think of this film? I'm curious. I liked it. I'd seen it before, I think. Who's to say? Perhaps it was an, illus- an illusion. Right. Uh, and I want to watch the, the other one. The remake. The, the remake, which is uh, available on one of the streaming services, Netflix, I think. Um, and I think it'll be good. Well, considering the director and the cast. And the cast, yeah. Um, so I think I might watch that. I almost tried to do it before this episode, but then I didn't. We wound up watching the Pope's Exorcist. We did watch the Pope's Exorcist, and then I watched a couple of documentaries. So, um, yeah, I have not watched the new one, but I have watched this one, I think, before. But I really like this movie. I don't think I like this movie as much as you do, because Mm. I think you love this movie. You want to marry this movie. (laughs) It is a really interesting film. I really like what John Frankenheimer did with this. I think there are two films of his that I really admire, this film and Seconds, uh, which is a science fiction movie. This is kind of a science fiction this is movie, also, too. Well, that's true. This is also science fiction. Uh, Hard and, science fiction, that is maybe true. Right, so but Seconds. Yeah. Oh, is that? Okay. Yeah. Uh, but they're both really visually striking. Is Seconds like the time measurement, or it's Seconds both. like first and second? It's both. It's both. Hence the second mm-hmm. I gotcha. We've never heard of that. Um, when was the first time you saw this movie? Um, I saw this film probably when I was uh, right out of high school, I guess. Mm. 
And it was running very late at night because of all the adult themes of this film. Fair enough. And just the opening scenes where they were using video and film, different film stocks. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of that in this film, Switching mm -hmm. Between. Mm -hmm. It just kind of caught my eye because mm -hmm. I was taking uh, film classes at the time. And so it's like, he, he's shooting in 16, he's shooting in, he's shooting video monitors, which he's had this sort of running line. Um, when he shot into them with a film camera, way back when, he's using actual documentary techniques through a lot of the film. Second so, movie in a row that we've watched that have like a lot of sort of I don't want to say tricks, but tricks, visual mm -hmm. tricks, camera tricks, right. are, and film like using the medium in addition to the right, actors exactly. and, and, and that's like what that. was really amazing to me is that the scenes, as particularly at the end of the film, really felt as if I was watching news footage from a convention. Yeah. Uh, excuse me, for a political convention. Right. Uh, and it turns out they did incorporate actual footage and intercut it really right. well. This film is an editing... Well, approaching it must have been an editing nightmare. Once it's assembled, it's a masterpiece of yeah. editing sources, and there's some scenes in there that are so unusual. Um, we'll get to that, but the point where I was just hooked on that film, and I was up till, I don't know when, 1 o'clock in the morning watching this film. Uh, but, but yeah, it, it was astounding and it was actors, it was mainstream actors giving these really intense performances. I find it super interesting because each of the characters in this movie is mm -hmm. so vastly different from the other characters right. in this movie. Um, if we just take, say, um, let me get names, let me get names before I fuck everything up. Let me get names. Pew, pew. Oh, wait, hold on. I gotta go to the disambiguation page. Because I went to the movie. I mean, the, the story. Yeah, yeah, it's long. Um, Frank Sinatra as Major Bennett Marco. Lawrence Harvey as Raymond Shaw. Janet Lee's character. Angela Lansbury's character. Mm. And James Gregory's character. Those are sort of the five that the story revolves around and really Janet Lee is sort of a moon around Frank Sinatra's character. Mm -hmm. um, but she's his satellite. Each of those characters is so different than the other ones. Mm -hmm. In like astounding ways where you're like, why is that woman married to that man? How did she, well, I believe, I know how she made that son because mm -hmm. he's a monster. And then Frank Sinatra going through, like, a lot, like, he is all over the place in this movie. And you said, um, you had sent me a, a, that you had done some research on him and how he did everything in one take. Right. He, he was very big on doing only one take and he only did extra takes if something was technically wrong with right, like the, the film. Right, like the film was fucked up or... To, there's actually a scene in this film where he's out of focus, where he's showing this uh, Queen of Hearts, so he has a whole deck of them. Oh, yeah. We'll explain what that means later, where he's out of focus. Queen of Diamonds, but go ahead. Queen of Diamonds, <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, and uh, that was one of the rare times that he came back and did more takes. Yeah. Once upon a time, 
boys and girls and everyone in between. There was such a thing as a focus puller. Yeah. Right? And this person, a, a one that was really good, could actually tell you the distance between the camera lens and the actor. Right. And keep them in focus all the time. Otherwise, you know, in varying degrees, they took out tape measures, they did all sorts of right. stuff to make sure you were in focus. The focus puller in this case made a mistake and misjudged how far away Sinatra was. Uh-oh, it was like <clears throat> The Great Escape. Right. It wasn't 335 feet. It was longer than that. So he made a mistake with Sinatra. Sinatra slightly out of focus. And Frankenheimer... That actually kind of works for right, that Frankenheimer brought him back in. It's like, said, could you please, please, please? And Sinatra was willing to... Which is wild to me. Uh, because I understand that Frank Sinatra is a very, very famous mm, person. Right. You've been hired to work for this director, sir. Do what the director asks right. you to do. Within reason. Right. Well, so Sinatra actually acquiesced. Because generally... And it's amazing when you think about how complex the dialogue is in this film. Yeah. Particularly particularly that scene with Sinatra and Janet Lee. That was done in one take is amazing. But uh, Sinatra went back for several takes after. Oh, uh-huh. And they could not match the performance that he gave. That's when he why was out he of does focus. it one and he's like, no, right. I did it. It's out of me now. Right, because you know, he started as an actual performer singing for big right. bands. Right, you get one fucking chance. Right. To think that he went through all these. I like, literally left it all on the right. fucking field. Like, all but it works MGM for that musicals scene too, because that he did it in one take. That's crazy. But it, it works for this movie mm-hmm. though, or that scene though. If the cards are in focus, right. if he's out of focus, it's fine actually. Yes. Um, yeah. So we're in a. This movie's very twisty, mm-hmm. so we're going to probably broad stroke it. Every time I say that, we then don't. So let's see how this goes. Okay. Uh, so, how do I want to? What? How do I want to do this? Okay. Raymond Shaw is sort of like the platoon leader mm-hmm. of a, I guess, a platoon <laughs> in the Korean War, mm-hmm. um, who get, we don't even have to get into it, get sold out by their guide. Their translator. And um, and are handed over unconscious to r- Russians, it looks mm-hmm. like. Uh, and then then we see them triumphantly returning to the United mm-hmm. States. Uh, the story is that they went basically AWOL or um, for three days behind enemy lines and then managed to fight their way out. They lost two. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Raymond Shaw, the, their their leader, is touted as a hero. He gets a medal, a whole nine yards. He is a deeply unpleasant human being. Uh, like, like, I don't think it's because of the heartbreak he went through as as a younger person, but it didn't fucking help. He right. is, he is not really, nice. He has no idea. The very opening scene, he breaks into, not breaks into, he walks into the brothel where they're all hanging out and yeah. gambling. And breaks it up. And just says, yeah, we're, we're going out tonight. We have an enemy encampment to, you know, war movie stuff. And you feel like you're going to be seeing a war film. But that, those opening scenes serve to just let you know that nobody in this platoon likes Sergeant Shaw. Right. But... 
later on, two years later, we're now in stateside. Well, let me, before we do that, uh-huh. I want to introduce his parents. Well, his mother okay. and her husband. Step, well, right, his stepfather. Yeah, stepfather. But he wouldn't even say that. He's like, that man is not related to me at all, period. So his mother is played by Angela Lansbury, mm-hmm. and she is straight up evil in this role. So we have seen her twice in this list, and in both times, she's terrible. And then she becomes Jessica Fletcher, America's sweetheart, even though everywhere she goes, there's a murder. Mm, I think she might be the murderer. (laughs) Just pointing fingers at everybody as she goes around. But she is... Her husband is James Gregory. He's he's a senator, Mm -hmm. Iceland. He is, you said, the McCarthy stand-in for Mm -hmm. this. He is... He's um, he's just he's going into meetings and um, committee uh, hearings and things, just screaming about how he knows that there are so many card-carrying members right. of the Communist Party in the Senate, in this place, in that place. Now, every time he says a number, it's different, <laughs> which comes up later. So when we see him and her throughout the film, it's clear that she is pulling every string because he's a idiot, right? Like. I almost thought, like, is he also under some sort of suggestion? Because this man is dumb as hell. I don't think in his case it would actually work. Uh, maybe. He's maybe not, not bright enough for that. He's just he's so a, stupid. Uh, Angela he's, a pup- he's very much a puppet of right. her. She's very ambitious. Yes. And she's aware of the fact that, and she mentions that one of the things, you're good at many things, one of them is not... None of those things is thinking. Yeah. Um, but what he's good at is he has a big, loud voice, yeah. and he's really good at drawing crowds. And he's not afraid to look like a straight-up ass. No, he's not. <laughs> so he'll do whatever she wants him to do with no compunction. And he is a part of the plot in so much as that we find out later on he's complicit in just about anything that he can well, how can I put it? He knows the story. He, he knows, knows what they're going to do. Happen, yeah. the story, I well, don't think he knows the hows right. or the whys even, because I don't think no, he knows he know that he's his a, wife's true motivations, right. which we don't know until the the very end, basically. Right. But um, he does know that she has sights on the White House, and she, he she can't get there by herself, so mm-hmm. you're going to do it. Uh, and then she will. She knows at that point she will be in charge because this dude is dumb as shit. So yeah, two years later, and we've got several of the men from this platoon having nightmares. Does Shaw have them? He doesn't, right? Yeah. Well, we start with uh, one of the other men having I think a nightmare, but Shaw. Uh, let's see. We start Shaw with, does not have okay. nightmares himself. We start, I think, with Sinatra, and mm-hmm. then we go to the. The black character, whose name I do not know. Sorry. Uh, Alan Melvin. That's his name? His yes, real name? he's played by... Uh, really, oh, he was a great character actor, James Edwards. He did oh, okay. a lot of really interesting stuff and then passed away at 43 years old. Oh, jeez, that's Which is sad. really sad. Um, so, there's this dream where we see... Basically, it's like a, a lady's... Um, like a luncheon to learn about flowers. Right. They're it's, in a like a they're in like a hotel lobby or right. something. And there she there's a woman there giving a talk about the flowers and then the entire platoon is sitting there and they look stoned out of their fucking minds. That's what they mm. look like. They're like slumped over, some of them are sort of nodding off. 
they're clearly not all together all together, right? And then I think the first time we see this, that's all we see. We don't start seeing the switching. Then um, as we see this uh, this dream play out again, people, there's this, the way it's done is super interesting. It's really hard to explain. The women and the and the audience, the audience and <laughs> the audience of women sort of turn into this almost tribunal of looks like Chinese and there's Chinese people and there's one Russian. Mm-hmm. And the person speaking is a Chinese man with a little mustache. And it's played by Kai Day, who fans are old enough of the old wife. Five O TV show. Oh, okay. He was like the villain of that show. Oh, interesting. Um, but he's he definitely has villain vibes. Yeah, he's really very good in this film. Yeah. Um, and they go back and forth between. You see this woman mm-hmm. giving this lecture about flowers or whatever, mm-hmm. and this man talking about how he has control over these people, and Shaw will do whatever they want, and he start like he gives. Shaw a fake deck of cards and he says, why don't you pass some time playing solitaire? Mm-hmm. And at that point you see him sort of acting like he's playing solitaire. Uh, and then when he quote-unquote gets the Queen of Diamonds, well, we don't know that yet. Mm-hmm. When he gets to a certain point, he becomes very malleable and he will do whatever is told. And he, we see him does he sh- he shoots the first? No, he chokes out one of the dudes. Right, he strangles him to he death. He says, "Who do you like least in the thing?" And and he and Shaw gives him an answer. And for whatever he's like, "No, you gotta pick a second because mm. we need him, right?" And so he picks the next guy in line, and then he does pick, get up and just murk this dude. Like just kills him with a piece of fabric that he ties a knot in, so it's, right. it's like a more t- t- efficient. T- t- and he kills him. And this is one of the one of the men. I think it is Frank Sinatra's character sees that in his dream, and he's like so upset because he's like, "What are these dreams I'm having? I keep having mm-hmm. them, and they're changing, and they're morphing, and they're like getting stronger." And um, as he's trying to get help, they he, they ask him at some point, "What do you think of uh, was it Major Shaw mm-hmm. or it was Sergeant Sergeant, Shaw Sergeant Shaw?" And what does he say? He's the kindest, bravest, warmest, most wonderful human being I've ever known in my life. And then he gets to the end of that, and he's like, I know that's not how I feel. Right, exactly. I hate that motherfucker. But, it's, but so he's aware right. that he's saying it, and he can't stop himself from saying it, but he knows immediately, like, no, 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 I don't want to do that. It's like an involuntary thing, like your heart beating or whatever. Right, and later when we see um, Alan Melvin, the African-American yeah, the officer, black- he, Black officer. He has, and I like what they. It's what cool. He did. It's the same image, right. but it's all black women. Right. Exactly. It's very cool because it's from his interpretation of of the, they, the suggestion that they've they they made a suggestion. They're interpreting it their own different ways. Yes. And so broad strokes are the same. The specifics are given by their really into like I had to finish seeing the end of this film. When you saw that morning. it was right. he was he saw it totally differently, right. but the same. When I saw the. How really? Because apparently, there uh, Frankenheimer resorted to using um, storyboards, which was not a common um, a common technique back in the day. Yeah, that was done for animated films or special effects sequences or something to show people where things were going to 
he had to create storyboards because nobody could get their head around what he was going to try to do. What do you scene. mean? Yeah, because all of these scenes, mm. these dream scenes, they he walks such a fine line between showing which version we're seeing mm-hmm. and and the fact that they this thing I don't know if it's wearing off or their brain has been just chewing on it for so right. long that it's starting to break through whatever it is this back and forth between what they're supposed to be seeing and what's actually happening is very interesting it's very well done you don't I understand like mm-hmm. um, explaining it would be very hard but when you're watching it, it's clear. Like, you're like, oh, I understand what's happening. It's hard right in the beginning because you're just seeing these dudes dozing behind. You don't see the change right away. And then you're like, oh, I see. That's not a lady. That's a Chinese man. Who's going to make that dude murder somebody? Oops. And then he does it again. He does end up shooting the mascot of the fucking group. The youngest. He's like 18. Surprisingly graphic, too. Yeah. The, the the what I like about this film is that um, rather than shoot it like an action movie like we have nowadays, uh, it's like the violence comes so sudden and it's fairly realistic. Yeah. To where it, it's always yeah. shocking when it does happen. Which I think it's got to be on purpose because right, you've got to you've got to have the immediacy of right. the danger that these people are under and face both of those. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the the editing, the trick that he does for cutting back and forth between the the communist leaders and Doctor uh, Doctor Ken, uh, excuse me, Doctor Yenlo, is the 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 person who's doing doing the brainwashing. Yeah, and he's trying to prove a Raymond as a test, uh, like a test study for his uh, communist uh, friends who yeah. actually have the facility and and. Uh, assisted him and put a great deal of time and money into their long-term plan. Right. They're doing the long game. This is a long game, yeah. And so... As we find out later, it's longer these, even than we think. Right. Yeah. He kills these two men because one of the Russian communists is saying, well, he hasn't killed anybody yet. He's just a sergeant. He hasn't killed anybody in action. Oh, really? He right. hadn't at that point? So we need to know that he right, has this killer instinct and yeah, and yeah. And so he did. He killed he these kills two, two men them. and the, the story is tailored to cover up for the fact that those two men didn't yeah, come back. Yeah, they, they were lost in, mm-hmm. lost in action, I use quote, quote, quote. Both Melvin and Marco, Marco is the, mm-hmm. the Frank Sinatra character again, send letters to Shaw saying, mm-hmm. I'm having these fucked up dreams, and then they don't get a response. Melvin, I believe, kills himself? I is can't that, remember what happened. I think that he, I don't know, I can't remember. We don't see him anymore after mm-hmm. his dream. And him waking up and writing the letter. We don't see him anymore. I hope he didn't die. But he might have. Um, and then, finally, at that point, Shaw is like, okay, well, let's get army intelligence involved. Because he's able... Marco ends up going to Shaw, mm-hmm. which he doesn't want to do. He doesn't like that motherfucker. And just being like, I'm having these fucked up dreams, and yeah. I need to figure out what's going the on. The first meeting with Shaw, though, he doesn't meet Shaw himself. He meets Shaw's quote-unquote houseboy. Oh, wait. Which is... That's right. So the... Right. I thought that that happened later, but mm-hmm. you're right. The the interpreter. Well, that no, had... we should go back even further because that's where he meets Rosie on the train. Oh God, that's right. He starts that scene out, is so fucking he, weird. He winds up being because he's having these nutty dreams, right? And he's freaking out. He's not able to serve in an active capacity, so they put him on special relations. And so the first time he runs into Senator Iceland, 
Iceland is interrupting somebody else's meeting that, with the press. Wait, yeah. Yes, that's and right. And starts making these announcements. And they said, here, mm. we're going to give you an easier job. You're going to be the relations manager for the fucking head of the mm-hmm. like defense committee or whatever. Right. Which, guess what? Not a fucking easier job. No. What are you talking about? So then he <laughs> ends up getting booted from there, and he's still having these nightmares. And so he winds up wanting to go meet... Um, Shaw, and on the train over, he sees. Well, before we before mm. we do that, I want to get to where Shaw is at this point. Right. Shaw hates Iceland, fucking hates him, and mm-hmm. so to sort of get back at him and get away from his mom and this dude, he gets a job with a newspaper that with a an editor that is going after Iceland, that mm-hmm. is calling him out on his bullshit and all of that. So he gets a job and like gets in real good with this uh, newspaper man. And then, to as a test for him, that he's still one of their like he's still a sleeper agent. He still has the suggestion. Oh well, that's after. So because yeah, he they end up sort of kidnapping him, staging an, a car accident. But right. that's after Marco sees him. So yeah, Marco's on the train. He's going to shop wherever they are. We don't know where they mm-hmm. are really. Um, and yeah, Marco meets. Janet Lee in the fucking weirdest scene ever, and the things that they say to each other makes no sense. And I was like, well, he's definitely, she's definitely a fucking handler, like giving him some sort of suggestion because the words that she is saying are out of control. She starts by saying Maryland's a beautiful state. They're not in Maryland. She says she's a Chinese workman who laid down the track where they were. Yeah. Right. And then, and then he just calmly goes, you're still in the railroad business. And I'm like, the fuck? It very much is like the crow flies at midnight or whatever the fuck. Well, it sounds but, like there's, there's sort of like um, secret messages that get passed from one agent to another yeah. in a, a secret agent film. And knowing that this movie is about people taking uh, these sort of cryptic messages and converting them into orders and directions, yeah, it seems very much like she is... Programming him. Programming him. And then she basically, like, uh-huh. and I thought that, I didn't realize it was her address, but mm-hmm. he, she leaves him with an address and a phone number, which right. are hers, and then it's like, do you remember that? Like, the way that she asks it very much feels like, have I set this in you correctly? It's very and weird. you have to repeat it to her. And it's never fucking brought up again. Never fucking discussed how goddamn weird that was. But he, once he goes past Shaw's, goes right to her fucking house, and they move in together, I guess, and they're going to live together forever. It's bonkers. Yeah, I, And then their conversations aren't like that anymore. I think that... It feels like they they cut a scene or something. Well, it, it, uh, that's been a kind of a, a question and contention for the film for a very long time. Ever since this got released, people are going, well... What the why, fuck was that? Is, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I remember reading... Uh, Articles on just this weird yeah, yeah, yeah. dialogue because it's so strange. Mm-hmm. It's and Sinatra. Okay, this is this is a weird thing about this movie that I noticed. There is a lot of upper lip sweat in this movie, like so much glistening fulcrum. But he looks like he's going into a bit of a trance, but he right. already looks sick. Yeah, he's, so, Sinatra is generally for anybody who's seen enough of his films. He's generally a guy in charge. Yeah, that's true. He's, and I've only ever seen the original Ocean's Eleven, at least what I could stomach of it, so I haven't seen him act before. Right. And so this is 
undeniably far and away his best performance because he was really being challenged by the director in this particular film. So he's a nervous wreck all throughout this movie. He's sweating, he's anxious, he's having nightmares, he's screaming a lot. Um, and in this scene, she seems to both bring him down and give him some sort of calm and sense of purpose. Yeah. The consensus among film critics and a lot of people who view the movie is that she's his control. We have no idea what side she's on. We don't, that's true. We don't know what side she's on. And like I said, it mm-hmm. never comes back around. I expected, well, here, today, mm-hmm. there'd be an end credits, an after credits scene where we would find something out about right. that. I guarantee it. That is what would happen. Right. In this particular I'm glad case, that that doesn't happen, right. but I really expected it to come back around to them and have her say something bonkers to him and just be like, oh. Right. We don't know if she, what side she's on or even if she's just odd and this is because she later admits that uh, she went home and confesses to him that she called her fiance and told him, you know, this I is met the new this man, man and that's who I'm going to be with, which I'm just like, like, I complain all the time. Mm-hmm. We've heard me do it right. several times this thing. You've known each other for three, three hours or three days. You're not in love. In this case, they've known each other for literally 15 minutes, and their conversation was utter nonsense. What is right. happening right now? And like, so something is happening. It does feel very much like she was a control for him. Yeah, but and we don't... And either at some point she decides against it. Right. And that Maybe would, she does fall in love with him eventually. something that happens later on with Raymond yeah. and his mother. Um And, or that she was one from our side or yeah, something. Yeah, maybe. So it's... I I like it this way though. I like not knowing because I, I guess I everyone do too. is so suspicious in this film. Yeah, and that's kind of this is a very paranoid movie. Yeah, you don't know whose motivation, what people's motivations yeah. are, who these strange characters are. Yeah, yeah. So it works for me. So there, everything's jumbled about time wise, mm-hmm. but Shaw is basically yoinked back by the the communists mm-hmm. that are the the Chinese and the Russians. They're the communists, that's mm-hmm. what I mean, um, that have programmed him. And they set up like a phony hospital with him in traction and stuff and, and released the story that he is has been in an accident, right. like, was struck by a car. And then they're talking about him, and they don't know if he's still one of them or whatever. So they're like, well, we gotta, ha- we can have him kill somebody now, somebody that's you know outside of the limelight, somebody who doesn't matter. And so he has. They have him kill the editor of the newspaper that he works at, which doesn't seem fully out of, like, out of the loop. Like, right. but then they're like, well, at least he'll probably he'll probably move up and have a more powerful position. So there's that's only good for us. And he does go to the house and he does murder games, and it's sad because he sort of thought of him as a son. <laughs> And we saw him as soon as he heard that there was an accident because they called the work. Right. He's like, oh, no, send send uh, something over and let them know that we'll do whatever we can. And then the next time we see him, he's in his bed and Shaw is coming into his room. And he's like, uh, what are you doing here? You he's look remarkably well. He's in his wife. Yeah, robe was so feathery. Right. Uh, and then, yeah, he is he's myrtilated. I, uh, yeah, I have to, like... Uh... Uh, Kai Day, the actor playing Dr. Lowe, uh-huh. he's really good in this part, too. This is like a Dickens story in that there's just so many villains. Yeah. And his his interaction with the Russian doctor at this hospital 
where they're taking care of Raymond. Is he, it the doc? Is it a doctor or is it the the general that we were seeing? No, it's another. Oh, okay. He because uh, because they actually operate an actual hospital there. Yeah. But yeah. The upper floors are used by the communists for right. nefarious plots. Um, nefarious plots. He actually makes jokes about maybe killing the doctor who's running the facility. Yeah, he's he's, he, he's clearly a psychopath. Like he, he, uh, he just doesn't give a fuck about human life right. at all. He goes on and makes jokes about again, this is a communist yeah. who's his wife has given him a list of stuff he has to buy from Sachs, I think, or Goldman Sachs. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, he Goldman is Sachs, fully sorry. a capitalist. Right. Yes. Yeah. He's gonna go to Nordstrom or whatever the fuck. Right. Um yeah, he's got a whole list of things he's it's, gonna it's, buy. He's just such Which a, he fucking because right before that uh, the the Russian person he's talking to is talking about I don't know go d- doing mm. something with money and he's like it's not very it's not very for the cause right. is it like you how how are you going to call yourself a communist and do that and the guy's like oh uh, I just um I just mean <laughs> and he's like ah, I'm fucking with you his character interesting the villains here there's not a lot of the expected comic book villains that you get in a film where it's the communists and and us fighting like you saw a lot in the sixties. This is a very complex story. Yeah, and half of the villains are Americans, whether or not mm, it's not half, but well, yeah, whether or not um, Mrs. Eislin is, whether or not she's she's not American, right? <laughs> Spoiler alert, everybody. Let's let's right. get back to the the thi- the the sort of. Incidents. Mm-hmm. So you were saying um, you you had corrected me. Chun Chunjin, mm-hmm. the interpreter that fucked them over. So uh, one of their enemies, one of the people who are pulling the strings, shows up at Shaw's house and is like, "I I need your help to give me a job. I can't get a job anywhere. I have all these skills, but I'm in mm-hmm. in America. They won't hire me." Which that's real. And he hires him as a what driver valet. and cook or something. Yeah, valet and cook. And so he's there when Sinatra, shows, Sinatra up. shows up, and Sinatra's like, fuck you! And then they get in a big old fight, which was hilarious, because it was clearly a stage fight. I was just like, they're really just doing their own stunts, huh? Because you could these... just see him, like, he's he's got him, he's got his arm at this uh-huh. one, at one point. Sinatra's got his arm and is punching him in the side. Like, uh-huh. he, the other dude's on the ground, on his side, and he's got his the arm that's up, uh-huh. holding it, and then he's punching him or kicking him. I can't remember stepping on his right. ribs, but to to make it look like he's being hit, you can see Sinatra pulling up on his arm so that he bends in a way that looks right. like he's being struck, and he's absolutely it's, not being struck. This is one of the very first martial arts fights put on film. It's so bad. It's, it's I mean, it's hilarious. It's, the, the problem is, again, that we've seen... This is now again. Yeah, I've seen the Born Identity. It's a fuck. When this happened, right? This is before we've seen actual like we haven't seen Bruce Lee. Yeah. We haven't seen yeah. people who really knew what they were doing. Frank Sinatra threw himself into this, and I he, bet he hurt himself. He broke his hand. There's a scene Fucking where he karate hell. chops a table. Yeah, there's a lot. The, the worst casualty in this that scene is the furniture. The furniture gets Every wrecked. Furniture and really I literally perfect. was like. Is everything in this room made out of balsa wood? Because, right. damn, they're not throwing each other that hard. Yeah. And he, just splinters. What the scene, the shot where he is breaking the table, he actually broke his hand doing it. And so that's one of the reasons why it looks really strange and it's made from bits and pieces of 
what they were able to get together while his hand was in the cast. Yeah. So yeah, um, but he that's he winds up being taken in. He's elbowing cops by the way when they come yeah. to get him because he really wants to kill this guy. Yeah. And he winds up being bailed out by Eugenie. Right. Cheney is her last name. She goes by Rosie. That's Sharon Lee's character. Which is really weird, too. It's like she has three completely separate names. It's very Because she's a spy. I mean, that sounds obvious. <laughs> of course she has three completely separate but names. But, like, yeah. But she brings them in at different points in the conversation. Yeah. And so, yeah. It's very odd. It comes across as very odd. So, um, I'm trying to see. I'm trying to figure out which order this is in so we we find he marco finally gets with gets caught up with shaw and and shaw's starting to believe something is going on Mm -hmm. um and he tells uh, shaw tells marco Uh about like he's like i know i'm a fucking bastard i know nobody likes me i don't fucking like like he knows and he's like once upon a time i was in love with it would it would be it's a very it's a Romeo and Juliet but politics right mm. it is like Senator Island's most vocal opponent in the Senate his name is Senator Jordan you guys don't think about current senators and and Congress people named Jordan they're monsters it's the opposite of that right. and he has a beautiful daughter named Jocelyn and for Who's one summer they, yes and she's even sweet later they have um, a very very funny kind of meet cute yes because he got bit by a snake and she's so anxious like as a girl scout to show her dad who'd been she just takes off her shirt venomous snakes yes. all over the area like, he, her dad has a phobia of snakes so has right. prepared her in the inevit for the inevitability of a snake bite, and she's like, "Awesome!" Right. So <laughs> yeah, she exactly t- what to do. takes off her blouse, wraps it around them. Oh. She has like snake bite, uh, and not anti venom, but no. she has uh, medical supplies in her in her bicycle. Fix fixes him up, goes uh-huh. and gets help, and then he is brought to the house, and then he has to admit who his stepfather is, mm-hmm. and um, Jordan doesn't have. And doesn't take issue with that because he's like, well, you're not him, which is very cool. And then for a summer, they are in love. And he's like, I was lovable. I am not lovable now, but I once was lovable. I loved his life. She was lovable. I was lovable. lovable. (laughs) Um, He actually announces to Senator Jordan, uh, Senator, I would like to marry your daughter. That's Uh, like one of the first first things that he says. says Because she is very sweet and very kind and it's and lovely, yes, and it's like, yeah, the, and it's the first time I think his heart grew three sizes that day. <laughs> um, and then at the end of that summer, his mom, the lovely Eleanor, Angela Lansbury's character, is like, you're going to fucking break up with her, and here's how you're going to do it. You're going to write her a letter mm-hmm. that's going to be the most vile fucking thing you've ever written, and you're going to give it to her, and that's going to be it, because they can't be together, because Romeo and Juliet, remember? Yeah. Um but and you think it's just her being mean, but you find out later on there's even more going on with his mom. Yeah, and then um, it turns out like he can't remember if he wrote the letter, if she did, and he yeah. signed it. My guess is it's that second, mm-hmm. but either way. Um, so now though, now that Shaw, Shaw's back mm-hmm. and he's been back for two years, he needs to get married. If Iceland's going to get into the White House. He's going to need to get married. Like, you need to be a respectable mm-hmm. um, 
you know, married man because men get all of the clout for getting married and women have to do all the work. Yay, patriarchy. Um, so she's like, thank you. She's like, she's talking to her husband who is so, so dumb. Um, and she's saying, you know what? You know who it should be? Jocelyn Jordan, the same mm. woman that she wasn't having before. And so she's like, well, I'm going to throw a party. We're going to throw a, a costume party and we're going to invite her. And then we're going to push them together and they're going to get married. And I'm like, well, you have a very high opinion of this girl. If you think she's going to come back, you guys, she loves him still. Even after the letter, we don't know what the letter says. And so that's going to happen. But before that happens, we have an instance where uh, Shy is at a bar, mm-hmm. just fucking at a bar, minding his own goddamn business. He's going to meet up with Marco. Yeah, that's right. That's right, because he finds right. him. That's right. So the bartender just inadvertently triggers him by saying, why don't you pass the time by playing some solitaire? And he immediately is like, give me that deck of cards. And he, he has a deck of cards right there. And then he's playing cards mm-hmm. and then when the queen of diamonds comes up the next thing he hears is uh go jump in a lake and he fucking gets up and he starts walking and uh marco sees the i think sees him playing solitaire and it links to what he had seen him doing in the dream which mm-hmm. was miming right, solitaire he's beating the shit out of uh what's his name uh the, the korean yeah chunjin uh, chunjin he's He's yelling, what was Raymond doing with his hands? Because he remembers that. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And And he wants to know what's going on because he knows that he doesn't know what he has to do with it, but he knows he has something to do with it. And why the fuck are you here now? Like, Mm. uh, yeah, so what was he doing with his hands? So he sees what's happening. And I don't know if he sees the the queen, but I think he might. And then he tries to talk to Shah, but Shah just walks right past him and heads out, walks down down the road, Finds a body of water and just walks right Which, into by it. By the way, we shot in one of the coldest days of the year. As you can see ice. <laughs> yeah, over the there top is of ice the, on it. That's true. Over the top of the, the surface of the water. Rather. And Marco goes in after him. And at this point, the spell is broken. Mm-hmm. Whether it's the cold or you his name, him or really he's done. <laughs> he's done what he was uh-huh. programmed to do. So then he falls back out of it. We're not quite mm-hmm. sure. But at that point. He um and he's like I don't I don't know what happened and Marco is starting to put it together and right. Army Intelligence is now in like Marco is talking to Army Intelligence because after Melvin and he both described the same in dream and identified the and same identified people. the right. same yeah specifically the, the doctor mm-hmm. um they were like okay this is fucked up yeah, and we need we need to figure yeah. it out yeah. yeah so um he goes back and he's like. Uh, it's cards, and I think the trigger is the Queen of Diamonds, and we like the Queen. Of, we like that he said it's a Red Queen, and I think he figures out it's the Red the Queen of Diamonds, which makes a lot of sense because we're ta- the the fundamental reason that they give for the use of the Queen is his hatred of his mother, his mm-hmm. his not even his hatred, his love hate relationship with his mother. Like he wants to love his mom. But she's a fucking monster. He's not much better. So it's a hot mess. Uh, and she, he hates who she's married to. So she's just, he's just like, Ugh. Right. So there's this complicated relationship, which is why I'm glad they didn't use the Queen of Hearts. Mm, that's a good idea. I wouldn't have liked that. That would have been a little too on the nose. So Queen of Diamonds it is. And 
Marco's going to go show him basically a whole deck of Queen of Diamonds to see if he can, like, force this so they can kind of prove what's going on. Um, meanwhile, it's the party. It's the party where we're going to have Shaw meet Jocelyn again and they're going to fall in love. And, uh... Shaw's like, I don't fucking want to be here. And his mom is like, you need to come with me. And she goes and she takes him into the, like, the study and she puts him under. And this is when we find out she's his handler in America. Oh, no. I don't, is it here that she, like, breaks down her whole evil plan? Well, she breaks it, she doesn't break it down. This is where you find your shock that... She's his handler. She's his handler, yeah. She gets pulled aside because it's... Oh, the, before the whole right, thing. because okay. Johnny... Uh, I mean, is it Johnny? Iceland? No, um, it's not, jo- it's not Johnny. It's not Johnny. He's such a jerk. Yeah, it's Johnny Iceland because she oh. calls him Johnny. Oh, John, um, yeah. He uh, he has some sort of run-in with Polish caviar. He's dressed as Lincoln. It's it's a costume party. Right. And and uh, Mrs. Iceland is dressed as Little Bo Peep, which That's is right. very funny. You know, yeah. And what the twist is that she's not able to finish her suggestion. Well, she's like, you stay here. Right. Um, I'll be right back. And she goes out and leaves him there alone. And he's like staring off in the middle space. And then Jocelyn comes in from the outdoors. Like there's out, there's like French doors out to whatever the yard or whatever they have. Yeah. They're fancy. So garden is probably right. And she's where she's dressed as the queen of diamonds. And so he wakes up. He breaks her spell. Or she, he, the spell is broken. And then she's like, oh, "I've loved you this whole time." And he's like, "I can't believe you're here." And then they're gonna be in love, and it's great. And they they get married like that like night. Like that <laughs> night. I think they do. I think yeah. they bounce and get married. They're just like bye. Um, and I don't think he knows that she was planning. Like his mom mm-hmm. wanted that, but he doesn't give a fuck what his mom wants. Turns out. Um. They get back. And Marco is waiting for them because Marco now has figured everything out. Yes, that's right. And he uh, he even is going on. This is the first time probably in the entire film, aside from the flashbacks where you see uh, Raymond laugh. Yeah, and he's, he's so a, happy. Right. Like he is a different he person. He makes a really bad joke about, because he's dressed as a gaucho for his yes. party, calls himself Gaucho Marx. And then, I didn't, I heard that wrong, and I was like, what? I thought he said Groucho, right. and I was like, what's happening? Groucho Marx is and still so, a bad joke, but better than what I thought. He's really overjoyed. Uh, Marco is really kind of, oh God, how do I take this guy in? He just got married, they're so happy together, and he winds up um, giving them 48 hours, right? And then tells Jocelyn, you have to bring him in after that. You do have to bring him in. And unfortunately... Oh, yeah. No, and then... But meanwhile, Eleanor is so pissed. Mm -hmm. The senator came to the party, basically called out the bullshit that Eisenman says, because it's bullshit. And she gets so mad that she sends Shaw to Mm -hmm. kill him. And when Jocelyn comes in to see what the fuck is going on, he kills her, too. Of course, has... No memory of and it. And that's where you get her nefarious plan and also the depth of her evil. That's she right. she tells him. Yes. So he's, um, he's like, you know, catatonic, right? Mm-hmm. Getting his, getting his, 
his instructions. And yes, so we hear, now Eleanor says, I fought for them. Mm-hmm. I traveled, like I came here for them. I married this man for them. So he, she is a Russian. She's a Russian asset. So if she fought for them, then she was there before, right? Yeah. She, they don't, yeah. So the plan was, and still is, that this asset, who is Shaw, is going to, so they, everybody knows Eisen's not going to get top of the ticket, mm-hmm. but she can get him to, to vice. She can get him to vice president. So uh, the plan is at the national convention when they're going to announce president and vice presidential nominees, uh, the asset is to kill the presidential nominee there and thus have Iceland come into right. power, like show, like he's got a speech and uh, like yeah, everything's he's ready for it to happen. Speech that she that he's memorized, yeah. that she wrote, yeah, and it's also been written by any number of people. In right, Russia, it's it's yeah, it's a communist and he's going push. Going to cradle the body in his arms and do essentially uh, Mark Antony, right. Julius Caesar. Right. It's like look here, he is the wounds of blood, blah blah blah. But. She didn't know they were going to program Shaw. She did not know they were going to do that to her son. Mm-hmm. And so she's like, and so, fuck them. I'm still getting... The plan was to get me to the White House to give them the most, the strongest foothold in America they've mm-hmm. ever had, right? They are. They have basically the president, because she, she's running right. the show, of the United States as their operative. That was the plan. But they fucked with her. They 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 turned her son into the murderer, uh, and so she's like, now uh, I'm still going to get in the White House, and they're going to never see an America that was further from, like, they're fucked. We're going after them hardcore, because they did fuck with me, and she is nothing if not self-serving yes. <laughs> and then and then she kisses him on the mouth and it's deeply upsetting <laughs> right which is apparently it's even much worse in the book it's, it's much worse what oh she, she does right more yeah okay um because she's a very deeply disturbed person clearly uh this but yeah the everyone who was involved in this partic- particular production they thought the scene itself was presented in the book was distasteful right so they decided that they wanted to suggest that particular element of the story right. without showing too much. So My, she kisses him right Are we to understand that they had an incestuous relationship that, before? They had in, so the way it's laid out in the book, uh-huh. she was molested by her father. Right. And her son reminds her of her father, so while he's in a hypnotic state... Just then. She does. I mean, it's right. not better. It's kind of worse. Meh. Right. She There's no consent on one side, no, no, so it's... She, yeah. she rapes him while he's under this oh, suggestion. Damn. But, well... Right in that he has no... Yeah, no, I understand. Right. So that he... Uh, but, and so Frankenheimer and the producers felt we want to suggest this without showing it because that's revolting. And, yeah, and we're not doing it. We're going to lose the audience. Right. Nobody involved wanted to see that. Like, nobody wanted no, but to people will walk out. Right. 1962? That's not going to... They're, they're not even going to let that air. Like, that's no, not going to be a it's thing. It's not going to go get anywhere. It will be on the cutting room floor. Yeah. Um, so... So the, yeah, it then just Marco, yeah, right, and then Marco no, like does a force deck. He's got mm-hmm. a deck full of Queen of Har- Diamonds to try and deprogram him enough to know what his next, like, what his assignment, what, mm-hmm. why, why, why did we do this? What's going on? The assignment is, as we said, right. we don't know 
if Sha told Marco or in army intelligence what it was. I don't think that he did, or he, we're not to think that he did. Uh, and then, but he does, I think, at that point go, did I kill the love of my life? <laughs> and Marco was like, a little. It wasn't you. It wasn't you. But it was you. you forget completely about it the minute, you know, we're done with this conversation. Right. You're not going to remember it at all. Except which, he does. Right. <laughs> he definitely does. Uh, but we see him going with a rifle mm-hmm. to the convention. Dressed as a priest. Dressed as, that's right, dressed as a priest. And he... It's Madison Square Garden that they're doing it. He goes up to a, the sniper's position. Uh, Marco and another, like a uh, higher up in army intelligence, are there looking around trying to find him. Mm-hmm. The same guy who sent him off on this goose in the beginning. Yeah, the, his friend who Colonel Milt, right? Who just keeps like stepping up and how can I put it? Not stepping up. He keeps stumbling along and getting Marco into more and more trouble. Right. Um, Throughout the film, so that's his character. He winds up feeling a little bit guilty because he keeps putting him. He's in these putting positions. him in heart, yeah. Right. But also, there's not really a choice. Right, like they exactly. know something's going on. So we see him take aim. Marco sees where he's gonna do it. He sees a flash and he knows where he is, mm-hmm. but he can't get up there in time. And there's a there's a specific point in the speech where he's supposed to pull the trigger. Right. We get to that point in the speech. And we see him aiming at the president or the the presidential nominee, and then we see him go a little bit to the right and uh, shoot Senator Senator Iceland right in the fucking face, mm-hmm. and then his mom, because nope. Andrew Lansbury's <laughs> reaction is priceless. <laughs> the look on her face when she sees her husband go down. Yeah, she's like, she looks oh, like, oh, I'm fucked. <laughs> she had to know. He didn't fucking miss. No. They're making <laughs> jokes about that, that he's been a crack shot since he was a kid. Mm-hmm. And so he's, that, that, like, oh, that's how he relieved his tension back in the day. He'd just shoot at things. He was a target, you know, he was excellent at the target range, and they keep em- emphasizing that. Yeah. So you know that by the time that it comes to, because he, she even tells, and this is where it, it gets weird, uh, she tells her husband, Raymond won't miss. So her husband is involved in the plan so far as, he knows what's president. up. Yeah. He doesn't know that the communists are behind it. Right. No, he just thinks his wife is right. uh, a bitch. <laughs> right. And he's not wrong. Uh, yeah, it's their relationship is so bizarre. Um, but I mean, she needed a patsy and he's perfect for right. it. Um, Marco gets up to the room that he's in. Mm-hmm. And we see he's, wear- he's still wearing the priest collar, and he's got his medal of honor on that they gave right. him when they were t- when he returned. And he didn't fucking ever feel like he's like, why did they give me a fucking medal of honor? I don't even remember what happened those three days, and we lost people. So why the fuck? Mm-hmm. Um, and but you know because his mom sa- said so. His wife is the yeah. reason. Um, so he's wearing that, and he's like, I. I'm the only one who could end this. That was the only way this was going to end. Uh, and then he turns that big gun on himself and does shoot himself in the face. And then we see Marco with Rosie later mourning his death. And that's how we end. We end on those two. And I'm just like, what's happening with that? Like, 
there like we see her him in her kitchen like it mm. is very clear that they are living together at this point it's been yeah. a week i don't know it's very strange but that's how we end and i'm like we're supposed to think that they're like that's a handler i don't but he seems broken from at least the original programming that right. he had we don't know if he's been reprogrammed or if he's like got a little switch in him that they can turn mm. on and off. Because every other conversation that we see him have with Rosie is a normal fucking conversation. Exactly. It's so weird. And that's the end of the movie. It's a Manchurian candidate. It's, Why is it called that? Well, because is it the 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 Isley is the Manchurian candidate? Like yes, he's, he's the, the the candidate voted on from China. Gotcha. So yeah. Um it's a weird title. Yeah, and that's kind of why people will... I mean, it's one of the things about the book and the thought people remember. It's like, what does that mean? What does that mean? Right. Um, it's a really good movie. It's very good, and it is fucking thrilling. It is. Like, yeah. it definitely belongs in the top 20 of this and, list. 100%. Uh, if you are prone to conspiracy theories, don't watch it, because it'll probably freak you out. Because it's so... You'll literally just be like, yeah, this is the world. Right. And this is 1962. This is before any of the political assassinations that happened afterwards. Right. This is before Sir Han Sir Han claimed that he could not remember shooting Robert Kennedy. That's right. So Which is, this was put on the shelf for a while because right. of that, that wasn't was it? That was one of the reasons cited. Is like you know, uh, Sinatra was very close to the Kennedys. Right. Uh, despite, that feels right. <laughs> which is really odd because uh, I guess you know people tend to think of him as conservative, or all actors, all Hollywood actors back then they were not, and so he was very very liberal. Um, and yeah, because he was a person who was like. Um, I'll still be rich if yeah. if everybody else has some money. Like, it's not a pie. I'm not going to have... Lo- which is, I think, why mm. rich people become like become more and more conservative. Yeah. Because they're like, but I want it. And it's like, well, he's like, well, I have everything I need. Like, And he feels <laughs> later on with the idea of, like, fiscal, ca- uh, fiscal conservatism. But he was always very liberal. He was out like there socially liberal. breaking the color line because they yeah. didn't let Sammy Davis play the same club. Right, with him. yes, he had he was close doing stuff yeah. like that. And so um so that was his Once deal. upon a time that was a thing. Right. Social liberal fiscal conservative. Now you could, you could do those things. It's a now, hot mess. <laughs> it's the night that this we watched this film was the night of the Republican convention. Oh debate. Debate. I'm the sorry. debate. The Republican debate. Oh um, and I thought I mentioned to you, like, well, should we watch the Republican debate? No. Or should we watch the Venturing Candidate? And it Uh, felt so similar. Well. I understand that I don't know how our listeners feel about these particular issues. We're very political anyhow, so that comes across. Uh, But in listening to Senator Island's rants, he sounded so much like Marjorie Taylor Greene's accusations of communist. There's a communist. communist. Here's another communist. You know, yeah. They're out Meanwhile, <laughs> he's so the dude the you like so much. Right. Like, when you point the finger, three are pointing back at you. Right. And they are. Ugh, I don't want to get into of, it. I can't. You know, that's <laughs> one of the things that makes this film so prescient. Yeah. Is the fact that. In 1962, in 2004, and fucking now. Like, if right. they did a new one now, it wouldn't surprise me. No, because it has. I mean, one of the writer strike elements of. What we feel is going on for one reason or another. Yeah, yeah, and 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 especially watching these sort of rants and tirades and yeah, 
And yeah, because right. I look at these, some of these Republicans and I'm like, and this is true of Donald Trump too, mm-hmm. although I'm, yeah, I don't, I, I just struggle with, do they believe the bullshit that is coming out of their mouth mm-hmm. or are they like Candace Owens who says bullshit because it gets her money well, and attention? There's a scene where Senator Island is... Having breakfast with his wife. Is it, is it when he's having breakfast or when he's getting his makeup you know, done? I, I think he's getting it, his makeup done no, and he's it, like, you got to... He's eating. No, okay. it's not breakfast. He's eating a steak. Oh, okay. I think. And he says, you know, I just look like an idiot because I'm saying on one hand there's 200 communists. It's literally like, can you guys settle on the number of communists? Right. Because I keep changing and I'm like, and, and right. people aren't going to take me seriously. I'm and like, so he's looking at a bottle of ketchup that he's putting on his steak, which oh, is something... So close that's to why it's so close so to home. close to Trump. Right. A well done steak with ketchup on it, and sh- and then it's fifty seven. Com- I was literally yeah, like fifty seven. It's gonna so be fucking fifty seven communists. That's so. F- and, and it was easy to remember. Right. That was the other thing. He's like, make it he easy is to remember. Not a genius. No, in no way, shape, or form. Yeah, no. This movie is very good. It right. is not that long. It's like over two hours, and it just moves. it just goes. Yeah, it moves, and then there's all sorts of elements and. Like I said, visually, it's super right. interesting when you wouldn't necessarily mm-hmm. think that. Yeah. Um, those dream sequences, like I said, are so interesting to watch. Yeah. Um, and just like the choices the director and the editor are making yeah. are like perfect. And yeah, no, it's good. It's yeah. good. It is very good. Thrilling. I'm glad you liked it. Who wrong? All right. That's the Manchurian Candidate. What's our next film? The next film is a little. My sister, my daughter, actually. <laughs> We're going to watch Chinatown. Because incest is a theme today. That's right. This week or this month. Yeah. So, yeah, next up is Chinatown. And uh, I've seen this movie once before. I remember enjoying it. Uh, we get some cameos from some directors that are mm. not the directors of this film, which is always fun. And we get a cameo from the director of the film. That's as well. true, too. That's right. So that's what we're going to watch next week, Chinatown. Mm-hmm. It's Chinatown, Jake. Was there more movies? Was like Jake and the Fat Man a sequel to this or no, something no, no, like the that? The Two Jakes was. The Two Jakes, that's, that's that was, what uh, I, okay. I believe it was directed by um, Nicholson, I think. Oh, interesting. I didn't know he directed. Interesting. Okay. I know he writes, but I didn't mm-hmm. know he directed. In the meantime... Do you have anything you want to recommend? Well, there's two things. I don't know which one you want to recommend. Two things. Go ahead and recommend whatever you want. I'm not going to recommend The Pope's Exorcist. Okay. I'm going to recommend The Pope's Exorcist (laughs) then. Um, If you like horror movies and really weird, strange horror films, it's it's fun. It's not weird or strange. It's It's, fucking by the book as hell. But Russell Crowe is hilarious. Yes. He's playing the actual Pope's Exorcist or a version of him that's really funny and has lots of jokes. Has Based a, on apparently a real yeah, dude. Has a little nipple whiskey now and then. Because you know, dusty roads. It's, it's dusty. That's right. My throat's Spain. so dry. Um, and he, the part what is odd to me, and we're going to wind up at some point watching The Exorcist for this list. It's so, like the number three. So right. it's going to be a while. But, or number two. Um, I don't remember. What's different about this film, there's a whole plot. There's a weird kind of acknowledgement that maybe the church was wrong or maybe evil had taken over the church and that's why we have the Inquisition and everything else. The church, it, it, There's a, a real feeling of that. Yeah. yeah. The, the, it's weird because the Pope has like, he's like psychic. 
It's very strange. Franco Nero is the Pope. He's so good, though. Yes, yeah. it's it's just a lot of it, complete and utter silliness, really, when, he, when the film is actually seen all said and done. And again, I, this is my particular religious faith, so I'm not right. mocking it for being ridiculous. It's absurd, no. It's but it's kind of silly, and I was looking. Was here's, so why I wanna, here's why I didn't want to. Here's why I didn't want to recommend it for me. Mm-hmm. I wanted a twist, and there wasn't a twist. Right. Sometimes a, a bitch wants a twist, and I was just like, "We're done." Right. Like, like, like. There's not a right. a coda, or it strains. It doesn't go bad again, or yeah. What? It, it feels like it strains. <laughs> credibility at times, and this is coming from a man who believes that God was a carpenter and came back from dead. I honestly believe Did that. Did he invent a chair? No. That's yeah. also strange for doing <laughs> But anyhow, so it's like even for me, I'm like, okay, that's just goofy, but it was a fun movie. It's It was fun. Yeah. I enjoyed the watch, but like and overall, I was like, wait, that's like, really how we're ending it? There's no scenery that he does not show oh, on in this Monch, 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 monch. He devours he's, it. Uh, he's an actor that I don't always like. Uh-huh. I really liked him in this. Like, he's he's playing like a likable dude. Mm-hmm. Um, his Italian is remarkably good. Right. You were literally like, I wonder if he's a na- like a fluent speaker. Like a, and I was right. like, he's from Australia, so maybe not. But then you were like, no, but maybe. Yeah, so maybe. I don't know. But his his for a man who sounded terrible in Les Mis. Sorry, dude, but woof. Uh, he's so good. He sounds yeah. great at Singer, this. he's not. Great at accents, apparently. Great at accents. Or he just got somebody mm-hmm. to help him, and he just worked at it, which, bravo, because he yeah. really sounded, because he, he he's an Italian man in this movie. Very pale for an Italian, but that's fine. Uh, but so, yeah. So do you was, have something that you like? What did we watch? I can't remember the other they thing. They quote Tyrone. <gasps> that's right. Yes, this I definitely like better. Mm-hmm. So, on Netflix, you guys probably have already seen it. It's been in the top of the movies for a little right. while on Netflix. And I just didn't feel like I was in the mood, but I I was missing out. So, They Clone Tyrone is a... Science fiction... Slash... It's a retro-futuristic right, science fiction um, with... And it's primarily... Black. Mm-hmm. It's takes place in a black area. The villains are white because of fucking course they are, but white also with black. afros mostly. Um, yes, white with afros. It's fucking wild. So, but it's fucking hilarious. Yes, it is um, a really effective satire, and that's yes. not always something you can say. It is, and it's. Uh, it's surprising. Mm-hmm. Um, I would. I don't even want to. It reminded me of a few things, but I don't even want to say what right. because I don't want to give it away. If you if you go haven't into a blind, if you go can. into a blind, it is super enjoyable. It is some dark themes, but it's handled. It's so funny. Right. So it's John Boyega, Jamie Fox, and Tayana Paris, mm-hmm. an actress who's really good in this film. I have not seen mm-hmm. before that I that I was aware of. At least I'm actually going to see. Oh, she was in the Candyman remake, which I oh, also okay. enjoyed. Um, so, she, yeah, I've seen her in a few things. But she's great. Yeah. Uh, Jamie Foxx is... Hysterical. He's so funny in this. And I have not liked the last few things that I've seen him in. Uh-huh. 
but I, I, I didn't like, I didn't like him. I, I didn't, I wasn't enjoying watching him. Mm-hmm. And I think, it, I think for a while it was because it looked like he bought his own hype and he was mm-hmm. like, I'm a serious actor and you must take me seriously. Even if he was in shit that is yeah. supposed to be fun. In this, he knew where the fuck he was. Yeah. He knew what he was doing. And maybe it has to do with having a black director, having black co, you know, co-stars, being in a black and black ass movie, because it is, mm-hmm. uh, that he felt like he could just right. chill the fuck out and, and he, he wasn't does. trying to... Yeah sort of make himself seen in a way that he would have to do, you know, in these other instances. Yeah. So that's a possibility. But he was so fun. All of them are really funny. Um, I think she's really funny, too. Yeah. The writing is so good. The story is really interesting. The acting is great. Uh, I was like, I, I don't... I think I've always really liked the the sort of retro futuristic settings. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that was a thing really. Like I, it hadn't clicked right. in my head, but in this, I was like, yeah, we are simultaneously in the future with old timey tech. It's like steampunk, but not steampunk. Right, it's exactly. that kind of a vibe. And I really liked that. And it was, it was really richly drawn. The whole, yes, it was. The whole world was really, rich, really richly drawn bad for my R's. Yo, uh, so I really, I really, really like that movie a lot, and I do good. recommend it I recommend very it highly. It's very good, uh, even though I couldn't remember what it was at the beginning. <laughs> I am tired. Okay, so next week mm-hmm. we're watching Chinatown. It's intense, but it's good, if I remember correctly. Yes, it is. We'll see how I feel at the end of at the end of it. Uh, but that's what we're going to do next week. In the meantime. If you have any questions or comments or concerns, you mm-hmm. can email us at latecomerspod at gmail.com or you can find us on Facebook by searching Latecomers Podcast in the search bar. And that's basically it. <laughs> and, the, and I would like to remind you here at the end to please, please take your medicine. And we would like to remind you better, better late than, than never. never.